Our first reading for the first Sunday after Christmas comes to us from the book of 1 Samuel, the second chapter, beginning with the 18th verse. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with him with with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanan and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and give to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. And that is our reading from 1 Samuel. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, we read, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And that is our second reading. Our gospel reading is taken from the book of Luke. This is when uh, Jesus is in the temple and he stays behind to listen to the teachers while his parents head for home and after a little bit they realize that Jesus is not among them and they start to panic and go back and try to find him. And thus they do find him in the temple. Luke 2, two verse, starting at verse 41 Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard this, heard him, was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. This is our gospel reading.
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday, everybody. I was talking with my girls yesterday, kind of about this sermon in a way. I says, uh, wasn't there one time when uh, we were in Walmart or one of the stores and all of a sudden over the loudspeaker, there comes this sound. There's two girls looking for their dad. I'm looking around. I said, oh, my girls are not with me. They were in the toy section and I was off somewhere else and we were supposed to meet somewhere and we ended up both getting lost, so to speak. And the girls were smart enough to go to the front counter and say, can you call for our dad, please? And then, of course, then the funny part is we went to Washington, D.C. for two trips. And uh, I went with one time with Juliana and the second time with Jesslyn. And the funny thing about that is that it wasn't the kids that got lost. <clears throat> Where's dad? And he's back there somewhere trying to find his way where the kids are at. Good thing for smartphones. I was able to find out where they were at because I wanted to go up and see something else. And I told Lauren, I said, I'll be down to meet you guys in a little bit. And so they took off and I went that way. And it's like, uh, I'm in DC. I have no idea where I'm at. So I go and look for Juliana's phone and find them and, and meet up with them. And then, of course, uh, when Jessen was there, I was off somewhere else and they lost me again. It's amazing sometimes how we get lost in life. We get lost in, in doing everything. Sometimes we get lost in our love with God because we're consumed with everything else around us. We want to go over here instead of over here. One thing I found interesting in today's reading, though, I was trying to do some research. It kind of struck me this morning as well, is that Jesus is 12 years old. And some of the manuscripts, you know, say, Child, why have you treated like this instead of son? Because there's this ritual called bar mitzvah. I'm not sure how many of you know about this, but it's a Jewish custom. It happens to boys when they are 13 years old. And it happens to girls when they're 12. And that's called bat mitzvah. What that is, is when you get to be 12 as a girl, 13 as a, as a boy, you become basically responsible for your actions. You become basically an adult, so to speak. And it becomes a really big celebration. Uh, as I was going through some of the research over there, it's a really a big deal. You celebrate this no matter where you're at on your birthday, on your 13th birthday or on your 12th birthday, you celebrate the bar mitzvah. Jesus is only 12. Hence, that's why they still call him child. He's not an adult. When he becomes 13, then he celebrates that bar mitzvah. Sometimes we go through life's journey trying to jump ahead of the course. And when we try to do that, we get off on the wrong track. And the parents here in this situation are a little bit troubled because their child didn't follow him like he was supposed to. You know, we're, we've all been children. And we all be obedient or disobedient from time to time. 
And Jesus told him, he said, well, don't you know I was supposed to be in my father's house? I'm supposed to be here? Well, technically, when he's 13, then he'd be able to do it. Because when you're 13, then you actually get to go in front, you get to read the Torah, you get to do part, partake in the ministry, all kinds of things come with, with it when you become 13. But Jesus is still only 12. And hence, when his parents come back and get him, they say, you're coming back with us. And he was obedient to his parents and went back with them. We're going to hear a little bit of a sermonette, a little bit here, by Emma on obedience, which fits perfectly into what we're talking about here today, being obedient. Jesus was obedient to his parents. When they said, you're coming with us, he came with them and went back with them. We have to have a sense of obedience to our God. As we read in one of our readings for today, talks about forgive others as God forgave you. We say that in the Lord's Prayer. And I hope we don't just say the words. I hope that we actually mean the words. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. A lot of times we just say the words, but we don't mean it. We just say the words. And God warns people about that. Don't just mumble the words. Make sure it's coming from the heart. Make sure it's really sincere in what you are saying. Be obedient to God in everything that we do, whether... You get up in the morning, throughout the course of the day. Look for Jesus somewhere in your life. Finding Jesus. I don't think we realize how important Christmas is. Because this was a fantastic... I mean, the angels came out in, in glory when Jesus was born. Why was Jesus born? It was foretold throughout the scriptures. How many times did I say throughout scriptures that a Savior was going to be coming, that someone was going to be coming to save us? The problem we had back then is they thought that Jesus was coming to overcome, overthrow the Roman Empire. That wasn't his role. His role was much bigger than a single empire. His role was for all of mankind. For every one of us sitting here today, for everybody throughout the entire world, not just here in the United States, but in Israel and the Soviet Union, wherever there are people out there, they need to hear about God and about Jesus and the fact that we need to be obedient to Him. Mary and Joseph were trying to find Jesus. They were looking in the wrong place. They're looking in a crowd around them, the relatives and the friends. Where's Jesus? Where, where is he? They're looking all the way around. They can't find him. They're panicking. They go back to Jerusalem and they find him safe and sound. And he's been in the temple for three days learning and asking questions. And the scholars were impressed by Jesus at his age, that he was able to know so much. Of course, he had a lot of knowledge. He had the knowledge of the Almighty God, but he was still learning as an infant child. He was God, but yet still a child. Jesus is a perfect model for us. 
We grow from infancy as we're young, and I'm sure many of us have, have you know, said our prayers, you know, that, like that when we go to bed at night, we'll say, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep me, angels guide me through the night and wake me up in the morning light. We say that when we were kids. As we get older, we hopefully progress into something more meaningful and more prayerful to God. Hence, that we go forward even further into the future, we pray the prayer that our Lord has taught us, which starts out as our Father who art in heaven. That's our Father. He's up in heaven. We pray through Jesus Christ. The Lord's prayer is a prayer that is more different than the childish prayer. As Jesus talks about, as it says in the scriptures, we go from our childish ways into our adult ways. We're no longer a child, but now an adult. And hopefully we don't go back to our childish ways. When we are an adult, we need to think as adults. We need to act as adults. We need to be responsible as adults. And I know there's some adults out there that are still 12. (laughs) They have a lot to learn. And they need to get on the road to learning. Because time is passing by. Time for us is not infinite. The next life is, but in the meantime, we're here and we're going to be held responsible for everything we do, everything we say during this time. How we treat one another, how we love. We're supposed to put on love. That love is that love blanket that goes around us. Oh, God is great. God is wonderful. And I ask for each one of us here today to remember Jesus is no longer the child, the babe in the manger. Matter of fact, he's no longer 12 years old. He's no longer 13 or 14 or 30. He is now up in heaven being the king. He's going to be the ruler. He's going to be the judge. That's our Jesus Christ. That's our Savior. And the day is going to come. When they waited for so many years for the baby Jesus to come into the picture, he finally came. There's going to be a day coming when the King Jesus will come into the picture. It will happen. It will happen. That is a promise. It said in the scriptures, he's coming here. It says in the scriptures, he's coming there. Oh, look out, folks. The day is coming. In the meantime, be obedient. To God, be obedient in everything that you do. And now at this point, I think it's a good time to turn it over to Emma. As she's going to talk about obedience. This was a perfect segue into this whole deal. Morning. My name's Emma Crooks. I came up here with my family to celebrate uh, Christmas this past Saturday, so um, that's the reason I'm here this morning. Um, my grandparents are Larry and Lucy. Uh, 
But um, the, the sermon that I'm going to uh, share with you today is something I did um, back in Minnesota a couple months ago um, where there's this thing called Fine Arts in Minnesota and where it's where youth and kids get to um, use their talents. Like um, I, I did a sermon, so I did speaking. My sister did a song, she sang. And um, there's tons of different talents and different categories and stuff and we got to perform and use those. And um, I did my sermon for the state competition for fine arts and then I got to go to nationals this year in Florida. So uh, that's the sermon I'll share with you. And I, I, I like what your pastor said. It definitely fits well with your guys' message and um, with uh, Christmas uh, being yesterday. And um, side note, did there's uh, every other religion and faith, um, people are trying to get their way to heaven or get their way to some supernatural being or some higher level. They're trying themselves to make a way to get up. But the Lord came down to us on Christmas. And I, th I thank God for that, that he actually came down to us and we don't have to do anything. But um, like, like your pastor said, we have to give an account. Um, and we are given this time now um, and we should use it wisely. We, we have a short time here on earth and we should use it to build this kingdom. So my sermon is about obedience and I think that fits well because not only with this sermon that we just heard, but um, I, although we did just celebrate Christmas, the year 2021 is coming to a close. And then um, as we move into the year 2022, I think um, that the sermon about obedience will um, be able to encourage you as we move into the new year. And I hope also stir your heart a little bit. So my sermon is titled, Our Best Worship is Obedience. So what is your first response to the word disobey? I know for me, for a while, I didn't think of disobedience as a big deal. I mean, I, I knew it was wrong, but was it really sinful in God's eyes? And as for obedience, I thought of it as an act of helplessness, a sign of weakness. I mean, who likes to be told what to do? But where I went really wrong was thinking when I disobeyed, it only affected me. So although I didn't encourage disobedience, I wasn't thrilled with the idea of a lifestyle of obedience either. And as these thoughts consumed my young mind, I was, all these thoughts were blown away when I read Romans 5, 19. It says, for just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. You see, it, me thinking disobedience wasn't a big deal, it actually was because when one man decided to disobey, all of humanity was separated from the Father for eternity. One act of disobedience caused us all to be disobedient. So if you're in a place like I was for a long time, thinking disobedience isn't a big deal, tell that to Adam and Eve. You see, God and disobedience and any sin for that matter don't even belong in the same room together. But on the flip side, one man's life of obedience has the power to make us all righteous and perfect in God's sight. That's how powerful a life of obedience can be. But we shouldn't be obedient just to avoid negative consequences. It should come out of our love for our God. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
<laughs> That's it. It's simple. If we love him and are thankful for all that he's done for us, the best way to prove it is doing what he's asked of us. Let's look at a story Jesus told that illustrates what I'm trying to say. It's found in Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 31. It says, there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind, he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did what his father wanted, Jesus asked. The first, they answered. And they were right. There's been times in my own life where my parents have asked me to do something and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, in a minute, or yeah, I'll be right there. But 20 minutes later, I've yet to get up from the couch. Kind of like that second son. See, it's the same way with our relationship with God. We may say we'll do what God has asked of us, but we just never get around to it. Or we may have asked us to invite that one girl to church, but we're just busy. God does not want an intended obedience. He wants full surrender and true, real obedience that flows out of a heart of devotion to him. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, it's not enough to just talk about Jesus because, in reality, the enemy can do that. We have to live Jesus. Earlier in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus curses a fig tree that's full of leaves but is bearing no actual fruit. So Matthew presents this story as a hungry Jesus frustrated over a barren fig tree. But it actually goes deeper than that. The fig tree displays all the foliage of spirituality but with none of the fruit. Now sadly, that's how some of our spiritual lives can look sometimes too. Like a fig tree, it's possible to convince ourselves that the appearance of our liveliness is proof of our devotion, but Jesus is looking for fruit. When we think that just we, because we have all the nice leafy greens, that means that we're super strong, devoted Christians, but we're just fooling ourselves. The only thing that demonstrates our love for God is our obedience. That determines the healthiness of our relationship with Christ. Obedience is the fruit. So, what do you think of when I say the word disobey? Do you realize that one act of disobedience and one life of obedience literally changed everything for everyone? Do you know that even though you may have all the best intentions in mind and say all the right words, that God is looking for your obedience? My prayer is that we may all know the joy and the rewards that come from living a life truly obedient to God. And in the end here, well done my good and faithful servant. Thank you, church. So that begs the question, the tree that we are, is it luscious and full of leaves? Is there fruit on the tree? That's the question that we have to answer ourselves, and only we can do that ourselves. And that is done through obedience to God. Great sermon there. Thank you. Make sure that we are obedient to God. 
Let us confess our Christian faith according to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, and at this time we'll have special music by the Crooks family. go Christmas caroling at Christmas time at our home when everybody's there, but it's been a few years now, so we got to fulfill our Christmas caroling today, so mm-hmm. I'm just thankful. The song, songs that we've already sang that Sheila had picked, and it's just been a blessed service. This is part of our family. They aren't all here today, but 420, right? Say, why 